separated. Hey! The man you disrespect me! Take him out! You gotta keep them separated. Howdy everybody, Cable Smith, welcoming each and every one of you into episode 104 of Justified Pursuit, alongside, as always, the good counselor, aka can't get right from an audio standpoint, there's always some hiccup going on, but the good counselor, Chisholm Cook, rolling his eyes as we speak. How are you, my friend? You know, your complaints about this audio situation, <laughs> which never seemed to really come through on the actual episodes that we That's because I fix it. Coming one of the banes of my existence. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, can't get right. How was your Thanksgiving? Slap you in public. Thanksgiving was good. Excellent. We had a big crowd down at mom and, dad, mom and dad's place. Um, mm-hmm. Pretty close to drama-free. Um. What little drama uh, bubbled up was very mild and kind of kept under wraps. So it was good. It was good. Um, <laughs> I was listening to Louder with Crowder uh, the other day, uh, yesterday evening, I think. And he was talking about how they did a smoked turkey. And I don't know if it was this time or like the first time. Here in the last few years, he just discovered the... Uh, the smoked turkey. He was like, you know, I, I just, I, I'm not a real big turkey guy. And, and, you know, but then the first time I had smoked turkey, I was like, wait, oh, yeah. this has been here all along. Mm-hmm. And we've been eating this garbage that you put in the oven. What, what gives yeah. like, <clears throat> well, that's been the case across the board for our Thanksgivings. Um, uh, our generation, meaning myself, my wife, my sister, um, and to my aunt's credit, uh, even uh, she's always been a pretty good, cook that's really into you know doing that serving the family like that but um just across the board we've upgraded every facet of thanksgiving like the meal is fantastic now it was crap when i was a kid really crap yeah i never remember it being crap i always thought it was awesome no no our no Uh, you know (laughs) well i just first of all i was with crowder we always had the oven baked turkey yeah Never, it would never. I don't think anybody knew what the word brine meant back then, so it was never brine, it was always dry. I only ate dark meat because the white meat was bad. And then, like, the that's cranberries, why you just like, lather it up with all the uh stuffing and, and gravy that you can find. You can't, you, I mean, if you put enough gravy on it, it's dude, it was cafeteria, dried out. it was cafeteria oh. food, it was glorified. Did y'all have ham to go with the turkey? Cafeteria food, dude. Like, I don't really like it's all just cafeteria food, right? That's what I mean. Like ham's fine. I ate some ham yesterday, some leftover ham because there's like mm. 15 pounds of it. <laughs> right, <laughs> ham's fine. Even plain old turkey, it's it's fine. It's not like the meal was never terrible. I'm I'm, I'm overstating. It was never mm. terrible, but it wasn't good. Like none mm. of those things would make it on my list of favorite foods, right? Oh man, but my wife, my grandma would bring over some potato casserole, some sweet potatoes with the pecans and brown sugar right. on okay. top. I mean, so, I so there's an, all there's of a, those things. T- wait, there's a perfect example. When I was a kid, our sweet potato casserole was sweet potatoes with melted marshmallows on top. Also, it good. was just. <laughs> <laughs> 
You just we had both soup. options. You could get the marshmallows or the pecan or the candied pecans. Brown right. Sugar. Well, so my wife from her mom's recipe did the candy pecans on top. And that's mm-hmm. like was one of the first like jumps into, oh, this can be better. That's like that's my dessert. I eat I eat the heck out of those sweet potatoes with the candied pecans on top. But my sister does these greens every year now. This big thing of like braised greens mm-hmm. that she doesn't didn't even intentionally do this, but she does this cranberry sauce too. You know, when I was a kid, the cranberry sauce was the crap that came out of a can. A same, a, a jello mold of cranberry, right? Now my sister in law Charlotte makes from scratch cranberry sauce that is right. Bomb. So does Sherry. It has actual cranberries in it that have yeah. been mashed, and mm-hmm. dude, it is so tasty, and it's nice and tart and just a little bit sweet. And you mix that with those bitter greens. Yeah. Oh my gosh, dude, it's it's dynamite. Every element. Went from like, I'm eating this because it's Thanksgiving to, ooh, I love that stuff. That sounds yeah. good. Heck okay, yeah. I get that. Yeah. yeah. It's all the same stuff. It's just been upgraded. It's just sure. upgraded. Like yeah. how grilled cheese has always been a solid option. But then you go to some joint and they've got like focaccia bread and like three different cheeses. Gruyere and then they grill the thing in and butter and blah, blah. And you're like, oh, wow, this is a badass grilled cheese sandwich, right? Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. where we're at now with Thanksgiving. Okay. Yeah, I uh, I was a little out of my element Thanksgiving morning because Aaron had me in the kitchen whisking stuff for a for a uh, green bean casserole she was making, and then whisking stuff for. So we went to two Thanksgivings, her side, her mom, uh, her mom's side, and then we went to my folks' house. We had to take a dish to each one. Usually, I'm smoking a turkey, which I'm more comfortable with, but I'm not a whisker. She had me grating cheese that morning and like basically being her little pawn in the kitchen. I should have been wearing a freaking apron, maybe a skirt. It was, uh, but yeah, she was, I, I helped. So she was pleased. Uh, although my sister-in-law on her side uh, showed up the, the day of Thanksgiving, the night before she had 102.5 degree fever and she was drinking a beer and I was drinking the same beer and we accidentally switched and now I don't feel so great. And I'm supposed to go deer hunting in Nebraska tomorrow. So um, also debating whether or not to take Sudafed today because, you know, I want to get one last hurrah in with Aaron before I go. And Sudafed can definitely affect uh, libido. <laughs> so I'm trying to see if I can make it throughout the day without taking any cold medicine. But it doesn't sound very good. <laughs> if you took something like that right now, it would still create problems I- later today. I remember last time I was Offset sick, it with I had that happen, shot. and it I could I mean I could get an erection, but I couldn't finish the job. I don't want that to happen for the. Oh, wow, I'm not going to see her for a week. <laughs> uh, Alicia, if you're listening, uh, uh, this is how God created us. Making you blush, very Christian thing to do with your wife, but there won't be any kissing going on because she's not sick. That's for sure. Stella's home sick from school today, so. Kind of threw me a bone because I was planning on going to a bar to watch the World Cup with my brother. Uh, but now I'm just going to be here with her watching it on the couch. That's good. Go USA. You don't need to be at a bar on a Tuesday. Home. Ah, dude, it's Re- a big thing. Of- it's a big thing. If the U.S. wins, they go through. I'm a huge soccer fan. We went to a bar. The whole family went to the bar on uh, whatever Saturday, whenever they played uh, England. I will say that like a, uh, all of our family and friends went. Any game that your whole community is rallied around to watch it in a public place is, is definitely fun. I went to yeah. some World Cup games 
at an Irish pub in the woodlands back when we lived there. Um, Fun. I think that was the year that we made what the elite eight or that not, I guess it's different terminology. Second final. round, probably. Like Did we, we just, it? we're lucky to get out of the first round and we, but we, no, beat, I know, I but we, we had beat a, Mexico. Yeah. We beat Mexico. We had a year in the last decade or so where we, we made went, it, we met at least to the, the round of 16, finals. but I thought we, is that eight quarterfinal? Yeah. 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 That year. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, uh, it was fun watching it in that environment with everybody super locked in and screaming. <laughs> And it was one. It was where I really today. like I grasped because I didn't play. Grow up playing soccer like you did, right? I think one of the reasons that it gets a bad rap in this country, uh, outside of the diving, is that most people who didn't grow up playing it don't appreciate corner kicks. They don't appreciate crosses. They don't appreciate any action that gets the ball right in front of the net. And the fact that like you're this close to glory, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Like they. They look at the score and they're like, oh, one nil. Boring, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's like watching a six to three football game, right? But if you actually watch that whole six to three football game and it's not like incompetence, but like awesome defense and maybe some mud and just a battle, right? Uh, it's an entertaining game to watch. Soccer is kind of always that to me where it's like you just need an inch to slip that thing through and it only takes one goal and the whole game turns its up on its head, right? So like watching being in that environment and feeling the excitement every time there was a corner kick and realizing, Oh, any one of these could get headed in. Yeah. And when we're, we're going to win, right. Cause one, one nil lead. Now we're playing back a little bit. It changed. It helped me grasp. I was also watching a fair bit of uh, EPL at the time, my old firm, the, it was a British based uh, consulting firm. And then our president here in the U S was a, British guy and a big time soccer player played some like mid level um, pro soccer over there, and um, so we kind of we got a we had like a fantasy league going and well the English didn't they didn't take the tie very well they said that it was a loss that they tied the U S. It was like uh, I saw this this one I think it was a tweet it said imagine if the English came to America and played us in American football and we tied. <laughs> yeah. That's sure. what they said. I mean, that's where the game was invented. Right. So, right. You know, they would have no clue. They would get trounced. Maybe they should have trounced us. Everyone thought they would, but we win today and we're in, which means I got to release this podcast today, or maybe it'll just be old news, but go USA either way. Beat the Iranians. <clears throat> yep. Sure. Yeah, so Thanksgiving is good other than not feeling well, but uh, got to man up and get to Nebraska for deer hunt. Speaking of hunting, I, we haven't had a show since uh, you took some humble pie to the face. But before we talk about that, I want to hear about the football game because I think that was uh, that was equally as enjoyable for me to hear about. The, the church game? Yeah. That's what I tried to send you the other day. Oh, that's the shot off horn of a bull nil guy antelope wow good one yeah okay you want to hear about the football game first so uh sunday after church we had our church's annual turkey bowl uh which is like old guys against high school and middle school age kids in a flag football match um i hadn't played in it yet because of the time of year i'm always you know hunting for thanksgiving Mm mm-hmm 
Um, but we came back on Saturday this year and went to church on Sunday and got to play in the game. And, you know, since I help with the, with our, our youth group and everything, you know, I, I definitely, it's something I want to make sure I can take part in. It was actually supposed to be the Sunday that I was nail guy hunting the weekend before, but it got rained out. So we pushed it back to its normal uh, mm-hmm. Sunday after Thanksgiving. So even that I was going to, regardless, I was going to get out on that Sunday in time to make it to that game. It was kind of lucky that it got pushed, I guess. I guess well, you had more time to track your nil guy that way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if I had still had the game in front of me, I might not have even ended up taking that shot, which would have been preferable in retrospect. But uh, so, so it's, I think we had, I think we were supposed to play eight on eight, and our team had like one sub, and there were like 20 teenagers. We were up against. Plus, they're teenagers and they have tons of energy. Well, and so somehow up until last year, the kids had never won. I guess it's just like wisdom versus uh, youth kind of mm-hmm. thing. But last year, they got their first victory. And this year, I had learned why. And that's because the referees, including a pastor, rig it. Huh. Totally job this. Um, I'm going to admit that I did not maintain a proper perspective on it. I got a little frustrated with the rigging. <laughs> uh, they were definitely, we got up like 16 to two and ended up losing like 25 to 16 or something like that. Uh, because they started letting the kids play like 12 men against eight. Did the pastor make you drop the touchdown pass? No, that was on me. It wasn't a touchdown pass. I did not drop a touchdown pass. I did drop a pitch that I didn't know was coming. I lined up behind our quarterback and he just turned and pitched me the ball after me having been back there like six plays in a row trying to tell him I'm going to sneak out into these flats, toss me one. And then he just like tossed me the ball and I wasn't ready and I dropped that and they recovered that. And that was like right when we needed the score to stymie the momentum. And then uh, finally did run that little wheel out and hit me right in the hands. I'm going to blame the mud. They had crusted and dried on my hands. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, I dropped two passes. I did almost chase down a, about a 17 year old. That was kind of cool. He, they picked off a two-point play for it from us, and he starts, like, trotting down the sideline. And then I, I don't know if he didn't know if, like, he could even get two points that way. Nobody was chasing him, so he starts walking. Well, I had been beelining from the far corner of the field and was not going to let him get away with just walk, you know, Dion walk high-stepping into the end zone. Uh, so that was a uh, – that got the crowd light lit up. But one of my kids, uh, he's now a ninth grader, so I don't – spend as much time with him, but he's our youth pastor's son, kid named uh, Darius. Uh, Darius plays football. He's a good little athlete. Not a big kid, but he can jump. Um, He was, like, decked out in, like, an Under Armour, um, legit, like, Under Armour, like those those shirts that they sell now that have, like, padded shoulders, padded, like, back protection that go underneath your pads. Isn't that what you wear for your triathlon? (laughs) he made these two catches right behind me where the guy threw the ball in the only place they were they were nfl caliber two touch two toes in the end zone at the line falling backwards like sick sick grabs man nothing i could have done about it you know how they say like perfect passes beat perfect coverage like nobody else in the field could have done this this kid Goes up, snatches one, taps. I'd his have toes to see video to, to, to determine whether it was perfect coverage or not. I was right in front of him. He <laughs> lobbed it right over my head, and the kid leapt three foot off the ground and still got his toes down. Like mm. it, 
I was right in front of him. There was nothing I was going to do about it. Like anybody else, the ball goes out of bounds, but this mm-hmm. kid was ready for it. Uh, and then the, the worst play was the one where, well, so on the opening kickoff, we kick it off to them. One of their big, fast, very athletic kids catches it. He starts coming at me. He makes a move. I try to break down, and it's been raining for 10 days down here, so I slip and bust my butt. And so he starts chirping about leaving my how he left my ankles laying back there <clears throat> where he made that cut. And uh, he kept it on for like 10 minutes later. He was something about that dude's ankles are still laying back there. And mm-hmm. I was like, you see the mud on my leg, dude? You think they, you think maybe that had something to do with it, the, the mud on my leg? But a little bit later, he's running a two-point play, and he's playing quarterback, and he takes off, and he starts running to his right, and I'm over there in that flat. So he's running right at me, and I break down, and uh, he's Tackle trying to figure out which way to go. He tries to leap over me Reggie Bush style, dude. <laughs> and, he, and he did. He leaps. He's a tall, very athletic kid. Leaps over me. He's reaching the ball out for the goal line. And I had just broken down and held my ground and managed to snatch a flag as he's like, and, and duck. Yeah. So I'm ducking, snatching a flag as he's skying over my head. And uh, yeah, so I got him, got him back. He had to admit, he's like, that was pretty good. Um, but the, yeah, but the longest is lost. So. Oh, and then the same kid, Damien, who made Darius, that made the two awesome grabs, uh, took off down the sideline on one play and I got in front of him and I'm grabbing for everything I can. And he's just spinning like a top and I missed his flags and he got in the end zone and scored. So sounds like you really let your team down. I, you know, for every good play I had, I had a terrible one, but that was probably the case. All right. What about the terrible shot on the nil guy? Because you just got back from this. I'm on a run. I'm on a run of humble pie eating for sure. Yeah. Yeah, I had, you're, you're off this high where you shot this elk. You made a yeah. great shot, followed up with another great shot. Yeah, freezer's one, full. You get to go on this yeah. this nil guy hunt, yeah. and uh, one day you're the hero. One the next day you're the goat for sure. Mm. Uh, yeah. So, um, got to go on this nil guy hunt two weeks after I got back from, like you pointed out, this exhilarating moment on a mountain in a wilderness uh, where I harvested this great bull with these two great shots. And uh, <laughs> all week leading up to this nail guy hunt, it's forecasted to be like 45 to 50 degrees and, and kind of drizzly rain. And I'm like, ooh, this is great hunting weather, right? Well, I forgot that nail guy come from the, uh, you know, the dry plains of southern India. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they're not really into whitetail weather. They like sunny, warm, and not a lot of wind. They do not right. like cold and rainy, rainy and cloudy and lots of wind. So, you know, we didn't see as many as everybody said we should have. Um, it created all kinds of complications because, you know, they do safari style, right? So, like, some of you'll get out and spot and stalk and shoot off sticks or, you know, in a perfect world of those guys, they're driving around with the window down on the Jeep, like the front windshield down on the Jeep, and you're shooting from the shotgun seat because you're going to round the corner of brush and there's going to be a bull standing there and he's going to give you all of like three seconds to smoke him, right? That was a non-option. Uh, I had two bulls in my crosshairs on Saturday. Uh, one, the wind was like, how long, like 35 mile an hour. And he was the the man. Like that would have been, that was a big trophy bull. Um, but it was blowing, literally blowing my blowing me off of the body of the animal. Hmm. Uh, so I never got a shot and he picked us off. Uh, the older bull, 
my next bull was so old, like he was starting to get bony. And my guide was like asking, like, do you really want to shoot that one? He's not going to yield as much meat. And I was like, well, you know, we're sitting there debating. I was like, you think he's going to eat bad? And he's like, no, be, I think he'd be all right. But he's just not as healthy as the one we were looking at earlier. Yeah. You know, still got half a, you know, a full day, basically, between Saturday afternoon, Sunday morning. So never took the shot on him. Um, Had two young bulls late Saturday evening as we were heading out that I still kind of wish I'd have taken that shot because they stood there at 180 yards and we were sitting in the Jeep and I had, I could put the rifle in the mirror, like wedged between the mirror and the door and, you know, wouldn't have moved an inch, but he wanted to pass on them and try to hunt a bigger bull. So finally Sunday morning, the drizzle stops, the wind lays down. It's still cold, but it had been raining the whole time. It had been windy the whole time. The, it was still overcast, but it wasn't like hazy and nasty. And you, the, the, like the clouds were thinner and it was brighter, nicer day. And so you just knew right. there'd be animals out, right? Football game got pushed. So it didn't have that, you know, need to get out of there. And, um, sure enough, dude, seven thirty in the morning, pull into this field, there's a bull there. I think he was like three. He's like right at 300. And, um, we're set up with the windshield down. I'm on him. But I think my, my, I know my glass on my scope had gotten misty the day before, and I didn't think that morning to wipe it. So I had a really hazy picture. And I think grass up to like the middle of his shoulder. And uh, it just felt like I was shooting through stuff, you know? So I, I went ahead and dialed up to 300, uh, but I didn't end up taking a shot. So we, he walked on behind this mott of brush and we got out and we, kept that between us and we made a move on him and we ended up getting 50 yards from him so mm. he's working his way behind that mod of brush and we're on the edge of it <clears throat> and my guide you know i'm behind i'm fully behind the brush he's a little bit to the edge of it he's watching the bull the bull is watching us like he had come he was coming to us because he had heard us making that move but hadn't spotted us yet so he was coming to check out what it was right so he's like i mean you're as close as to a nail guy as you're gonna get right and uh he finally goes back to kind of feeding as he's moving. And so we set the sticks up. I get on the sticks, but I still can't see the bull at all. Like if I turn my rifle into where he's at, I'm looking at in the bush, right? Um, I can see movement when I'm out of my scope. And where he's looking, he can see like he's got a hole and he can see the bull. And he's like, all right, dude, he's still moving right. He's still moving. He's going to walk right out in front of you. So I've got my Obviously, zoom. he hasn't seen or winded you guys. Not yet. Yeah. But he clearly knew we were there. Mm-hmm. Um, so I had dialed my scope almost like all the way out to like a six power. So I could pick him up when he finally popped out in my view, you know, and before I laid eyes on him, he's like, crap, he's on us. He's running. So get ready, get ready. So pull off the rest. We move the rest over to aim across this field and he's loping, you know, they run real funny. Mm -hmm. He's loping along, loping along. And he was like, just be ready. Cause I bet he'll stop and he'll look back to see what we were. He figured he might've winded us. Something spooked him. Yeah. But he never really got a clear visual. And he was right. Sure enough, he gets on out there and he stops broadside for me. I'm on him. And my pattern, my scope, my reticle is floating kind of all over his shoulder, right? But I'm on his shoulder. And remember when I shot that elk in Colorado and I described how, like, driving out there, I had remembered my grandfather teaching me that, you know, you'll do this figure eight pattern when you're holding right. And as you come through the middle of the figure eight, you squeeze. 
and do it again. You squeeze, right? And so, like, in other words, you, you trust that float, let that float happen, and you just squeeze when you're where you need to be, right? And I had thought about that heading to that elk hunt that time. And then the day I ended up shooting that bull, leaning against a tree, remember? I remembered that in that moment. I threw that rifle up against that tree and I'm aiming down on that bull and my figure eight float is going from like the middle of his shoulder to his gut. And so I deliberately remember moving my center to where it would float from like the base of his neck to his lungs. Right. Mm -hmm. And so on that bull, I was going from the base of his neck to his lungs. I was pretty much in vitals just about anywhere I hit, dropped him in his tracks, ended up hitting him at the base of the neck. Right. Remember, spined him, had to put an arrow in his chest to kill him, but he wasn't going anywhere because he was spined. So I got that same situation with this nail guy off of these sticks. And what really is still chapping my ass about it is that I shot that Oryx back in like February or March. And I I brought the back straps home on the spine so that they could, you know, I didn't want rigor mortis to set in and the back straps to be all tight right so i was basically like letting it age with the back strap on the spine and then the quarters and so when i deboned those back straps at home i realized that those antelope with those big humps that's all spine like when you're yeah. looking at a nail guy or an oryx or any of these buffalo any of these animal with huge humps on their backs like half for sure a third of their shoulder is spinal transverse process bones like if you look at the spine of one of those animals, it looks like a dorsal fin because those spines stick up off the spine, you know, the blades stick up off the spine itself really high at the shoulder. And then they taper down to like normal height at the back, uh, where with an elk or a deer, you've got lungs almost all the way up to the spine, right? right? And the spine's up at the top. So like, if you look at where the neck comes into the animal and then, then you can just imagine that the spine continues to run flush with that. Right. So on a nail guy bull, the neck comes in like mid shoulder, which means the spine is kind of like mid shoulder, you know, maybe just a slightly above mid shoulder. I had seen it firsthand. My guide had showed me where to put the bullet. And yet while I was floating, I kept floating high. And then like, you know, I'd float to like right where I needed to shoot and then float high from there. And I should have done the same thing I did on that elk, which was take my center of aim down so that I was floating to like brisk from brisket to like 50 or 60 percent up the shoulder you know what i mean like the, the float was okay i just wasn't aiming in the right spot yeah he had run out there i didn't know for sure how far he was when i was looking at him at 300 yards i was probably on 16 power now i'm looking at him at what turned out to be 190 and i'm on a six power so he looked the same in my scope i know they cover ground really fast i guess if anything i was thinking i bet he's out there at 250 plus I'll have a, an inch or two of drop. I don't remember exactly what I was thinking. Right. All I know is I didn't friggin' aim low enough. Fired off the 300 short mag and he drops. I was like, sweet. Did it again. <laughs> Guy's like, stay on him, stay on him, stay on him. And, uh, and he starts flopping, right? And he's quickly, he's trying to get up with his front shoulders, but his hind legs aren't working at all at all like he can't move those so he's like lunging up out of this grass when he would lay flat i couldn't see the animal at all but he would thrust himself up with his front legs whip his head back real hard up out of the grass and then fall back into it because his hind legs weren't working so i'm thinking i just flat spined him and the guy's thinking the same thing and he's like stay on him stay on him and he 
there was a moment where he was like, do you want to try to move up closer to get a second shot on him? And he put it as a question. And I'm looking at an animal flopping around on the ground thinking, I think he's dead. Right. So I hesitated. I should have said, yeah, and just ripped the gun off the tripod and started running across the field. Um, the guide should have said, let's go get closer rather than do you want to get closer? Right. Right. Because here I'm thinking, I just stoned that son of a gun at 200, right? If he stands up, I'll hammer him again. Uh, plus, it doesn't look like he's going to stand up. I think I spined him, right? Um, it's, it's not the guide's fault. It, it's not 100% my fault. Both of us should have just taken action rather than like dithering. Yeah. Right. And doing nothing. Sure enough, he finally gets his shoulders under him and starts dragging himself, right? So he's dragging himself with his front legs and his head and neck are up out of the grass. Still can't get his hind legs up. So he's like, hit him again if you've got a shot. So I'm on him and I squeeze one off and he disappears. But with my suppressor, the first shot, when it hit, you could hear it just. Mm -hmm. This shot, you heard the crack, like a very distinct crack sound. Did you know immediately? No, he said, the guy goes, holy F, did you shoot his horn off? <laughs> oh, no. I really hope not. And he goes, dude, I saw something fly off of his head. <laughs> He's like, I don't know if it was the bullet ricocheting or his, his <laughs> horn. But I had, I had heard the sound and I'm like, oh, crap. Right. And then sure enough, it, it's not several seconds, just a few seconds. And he's up on all fours, working his way around this, this mott he had been heading to. So I don't get a shot. He's calling for me. He's like, he's coming out to the left. He's coming out to the left. He eases his way out to the left. And there's this little ridge, like a four-foot-tall ridge in the otherwise flat, sandy field. He starts working from my right to my left along behind that ridge, and all just a few inches of backer sticking up out of the above the, that ridge he's behind and his head. All of three or four seconds on him like that, and then he just vanishes like a ghost. And sure enough, went down there, found his tracks, spent three hours trying to find him. Finally, found his, hand, back. Found his horn. Doubled back after two to the spot where we'd hit him. Guide finds his horn. <sighs> Long and short of it is, we never found that bolt. And what I really think happened was when my trigger broke, I was high up in that shoulder. I think I hit the spine, but I didn't hit the spinal column. Mm -hmm. Probably hit a transverse process. But blade sticking off of it, maybe really close, but I, I didn't break his spine. Right. So he wasn't paralyzed. Really, if he's walking around on all fours. Right. With one but horn. When he wasn't, it was because his central nervous system from that point of impact back had been zapped and it was like dysfunctional, but it wasn't permanently severed, right? Right. So it had stunned his back end, um, didn't hit any good, anything vital. And then it's like when the horn shot happened, it was like a pushing reset on his central nervous system. Like instead of continuing to drag and still not being able to move, it's like a shot to the head, woke him up and everything worked again and he was gone. Tragic. So I literally made the exact same two shots that I made on my elk, except about three inches high on both of them. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Hunting is a game of inches. There's no doubt. Yeah. As we both know all too well. So it sucked. Mm -hmm. So it sucked. Do you think it's still alive? I mean, it's hard to know for sure, but I would guess probably. Yeah. I would guess. Well, probably. it's like that elk I shot with my bow two years ago where I hit him high. Yeah. There's no vitals there, you know, no man's land. 
think he was perfectly fine. I think we saw him the next day. If I hit him in the bottom of the spine, maybe he's dead. But if I hit him where I think I hit him on the high. Well, he's not debilitated. He's running around. So he didn't spine him. If I hit him in the hump, it was basically probably just a flesh wound. Yeah. And, uh, you know, a headache. That horn won't grow back. No. Yep. Those are real horns. Uh, it's kind of cool to see the inside of it. It's like pink and kind of marrowy, you know, and mm-hmm. like it's alive and unlike an antler, right? Yeah. Interesting. Well, yeah. sorry, buddy. They we told had- me, he told me they lose 40% of the nail guy they hit. And uh, for anybody who's wondering, this is well, it a- took us six hours to find the one I shot and I shot it at 75 yards broadside. So they're tough bastards. And they don't bleed. Did he have any blood to go by? No, I mean very, Zero. very little. No. I mean, a lot of times there's not a speck. I right? shot him it's with all... the, the guide's three. Th- well, I was with Lindell, our, our turkey hunting buddy. Yeah, and he handed me his three thirty eight Lapua. He's because I showed up with three hundred Win Mag. He was like, "No, nah, I want you to use this." I said, "I'm really comfortable with my gun, but okay, use his seventy five yards. Shoot him in the shoulder, probably a little high, uh, through some brush. If you're so aiming six, at the middle of the shoulder, hours you're high. to find him, no blood." Yeah, well, they told me they lose 40% of all the Neil guy they put in a bullet in. And we ended up with four cows, one lost cow, and one lost bull. Uh, so we were right at right a little better than that 40% mark. Thankfully, my Marine Corps sniper buddy, uh, he was he lost, <laughs> thankfully. I shouldn't say it that way. It was a little bit uh took a little of the edge off that my Marine Corps sniper buddy lost a uh, cow. He shot at 125 yards. He went two for three. He knocked down two cows. One of our guys got uh. sick, couldn't end up making it. So he got to harvest his cow. Um, and then the third one he shot the second day, he lost that one. Wow. Um, yeah. I mean, you know, it's not cause he can't shoot. I assure you it's cause they're tough. Well, Henry, last thing I was going to say about it a, is uh, an eight point on the same weekend. I know. It's awesome. So we had a good father-son trip out to our new deer lease. That was cool. Last yeah. morning, we were already supposed to come home. His grandma signed up to watch the twins because Aaron had to go back to work because we had, hadn't gotten it done. And uh, so thankfully, Kay watched the girls and we got to get a couple more hunts in. Um, got it. Took the dog. Got her first duck hunt in and uh, and froze our asses off in a tent. Everyone else has uh, campers out there. And it was like in the twenties and uh yeah mid twenties upper twenties at night so literally Henry's sleeping in his hunting jacket his gloves his hoodie like he didn't take anything off from when we were sitting outside hunting to when we went to sleep it was chilly he never bitched never complained he got up every time four thirty five o'clock whenever I woke him up never complained about being cold um which I thought was pretty cool for a nine year old yeah, Henry's a pretty good kid man and he's yeah. definitely into hunting i like him i want to tell you the so i had so after we shot his buck we're walking back to the truck and there's four does in the field by the truck and so i just grabbed his gun from him put his 243 up smoke a doe because i was like we're already going to the processor why not put a doe tag on one of these more meat so i shoot this doe we've we got her field dress her throw her in the truck go back to get his buck get it loaded up so that we can field dress it away from the feeder and I said, okay, you grab the you grab the buck's antlers. I'll grab his hind legs, and we'll pull him out of the truck. And uh, Henry weighs 65 pounds. <laughs> and I didn't realize how heavy – I didn't even think about it. I was like, this is nothing for a grown man, right? Or even probably a teenager. 
well, the buck's antlers come flying out of the truck very violently as soon as I get his, you know, to where gravity takes the rest of the animal because I have his hindquarters. I mean, I thought we were going to the hospital. It hit him so hard in the knee. Like I thought it was, I thought I was going to pull his pan up and he was going to be gored from the buck's antlers. Luckily, it was more of just like a bruise and it was bleeding, but it was more of just like a dent in his kneecap. <laughs> I mean, he was crying for a few minutes. <laughs> The adrenaline and all the euphoric feeling of shooting this buck. And he made a great shot, shot him in the neck, dropped him. And then here's dad being like, Hey, grab the antlers. It'll be fine. And I'm responsible for him now crying. Oops. Yeah. Yeah. So that was crappy on dad. <sighs> but he was like, it's okay, dad. I know it was an accident. He's a tough kid, but uh, yep. no, it was a good weekend. Awesome. Yeah. yeah that's pretty cool. Um, he'll remember that hunt for the rest of his life for sure. You know, it, all all that matters or all the validation that you need is when he, he looks at you and he says, Dad, thanks for taking me hunting. What else do you need? Yeah, he says that all the time. That's uh, that's pretty cool. Um, my kids never say that, <laughs> but I know they enjoy it. So, yeah. No, as long as they enjoy it, that's validation yeah. too. Yeah. Um, what's, oh, oh, I got to read this. So, while since we've been on the air, I, uh, I texted my buddies that were, oh, and Brett actually too, one of our good friends. Uh, they're all going to watch the game. And I said, nah, Stella's homesick. I'm not feeling great either. Sadly, we're going to bow out of this one. And Christopher, my brother's response, real soy boy beta cuck behavior. <laughs> yeah, He's learning the terminology. That's good. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's funny. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so what's going on in the world? I know we don't have a lot of time, but a couple no, couple quick hits here. Uh, Governor Abbott came out yesterday and uh, said that he will be implementing uh, an initiative to get woke agendas out of Texas schools. Cool. Kudos, because that is uh, just a, pay, a, play, a page out of DeSantis' playbook, which uh, we all love DeSantis. So Yeah, you know, I'd love old Abbott to be a little bit more a leader, not such a pansy ass follower but you know whatever i guess it's better than going the opposite direction well the uh, the uh the other choice walks around with a shirt that says don't mess with the trans kids so i don't there really wasn't a choice right no i i I can be critical of the governor we have and it has nothing to do with the governor we could have had which was never going to happen so yeah uh also dude the day the day that he locked our state down i remember everyone brings that up but didn't every state lock down every single one? florida never did never ron DeSantis sure? put his feet yes okay. he put his feet in the ground where he said we're not doing that because the science doesn't back it up because he was bringing he was bringing doctors and teachers from harvard stanford and yale in and having panel discussions explaining this is not how we should address this issue these are the people who signed the great barrington Dec- declaration right they all explained we should be protecting the most vulnerable elderly people and people with severe metabolic disease, basically. And the rest of society needs to carry on. Mm -hmm. No, they didn't lock down their state, but, and governor Abbott, I don't think would have until um, the morning that he did dude, USA today. I remember clear as day. We were like in Turkey camp whenever it, it came down that the state was locking down and that maybe luckily hunting ended up being, uh, absolved from that mandate. But, Right. Remember that when well, we were like, are we going to get in trouble driving back from South Texas? Right. Yeah. I so very I think, clearly. I think there was a couple of levels to it. 
there was initially like he shut down maybe restaurants and bars and made a mask mandate or something like that. Non-essential business. Yeah. It had to have been the same week. I know I was in this house sitting in the bathroom reading the news and USA Today had a headline saying Governor Abbott of Texas, uh, one of you know the, the governor of the largest state that has yet to respond to the pandemic. Something to that effect, right? Mm-hmm. Like he got called out by name in USA Today for not having done, quote, anything about the pandemic. And by 1 p.m. that afternoon, he issued the first of you know a few different levels of quote lockdown orders i don't remember exactly what it was but i just remember distinctly and that's kind of the book on this guy is that he watches polls and public opinion and his actions are dictated by that rather than what he believes is right you know and he happens yeah, to be, i mean i think he happens to be too. one of he happens to be one of klaus schwab's schwab's the world economic forum's young global leaders so All that's that aside, always a little concerning i do think he does put up a good front sometimes and not back it up not have any clout to back it up i don't i don't know about the border though some people because i put that on my instagram what he said yesterday they're like what about the border i don't think he has the resources to i don't know what it means i don't know what it means and it's also the same thing i'm talking about 24 hours after he gets reelected, he announces this big thing about how we're being invaded like that absolutely was something he was sitting on until the election he didn't have the political huevos to make that declaration three months earlier, six months earlier. Well, you know? it should have been a year ago. Just look at the border crossings. And, and one of right, and one of the I, again, I don't know what it means. I don't know if it's going to do a damn thing. So I'm not sitting here saying that he should. I don't even know that he should have done it at all because I don't know what it does. But it also seems real disingenuous if you're loading buses of migrants up and sending them to Chicago and New York, right, and kind of making a political spectacle out of it. Then to turn around and be like, oh, we're being invaded. It's like I don't I don't agree. I think it's great that he did that because it put it made those people cognizant of what's going on. Like I'm not this saying, is your problem. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, I don't I don't have any issue with that. But I but it's no I mean Arizona's governor hasn't done anything. I guess all I'm saying is I think he's more doing playing politics with the border issue than he is getting anything productive done with it. What can he really do though? It's a national border. First of all, like the, the feds should be the ones that are enforcing that. That's why we have border patrol. Yeah. We don't have a Texas uh, guard, a Texas guard actually, that just sits we do. on the border. Okay. Well, I bet you they're incredibly understaffed to actually secure the entire border. Probably. It's, but it's, it's not even, it shouldn't even be our job. It's a, it's a country, right? A country first, a state second. Have you heard of the Army of the Republic of Texas? No, but this morning I was thinking about, and this is probably something you shouldn't say in the air, but I don't care. I was thinking about what if all the what if a bunch of armed Texans just went down to the border and just sat there and said, "We're going to shoot anyone that comes across." What about that? Is that? I mean, that's very insensitive to say, but at some point, this thing has to tip back in the other direction, or we're just an extension of Mexico. Not to mention all the fentanyl that's getting pumped into this country because of the open border. That's a huge problem. That needs to be a, that needs to be an entire show in and of itself. Maybe get an expert on to talk about that. But I'm going to throw something out there that's probably going to be real controversial. But are we totally sure that fentanyl is as big a problem as Dan Crenshaw likes to make it out to be? I don't know. I just see the numbers. Okay, but do you know anybody? 
No. Do you know anybody who knows anybody who knows anybody? I can't say that I do. Right. I'm not saying that fentanyl's not real, but we've had these, dude, <laughs> we have seen a repeated cycle of the United States government allowing, dude, we've documented this. The government has acknowledged it. The CIA was flying cocaine into this country in the 80s, into Mena, Arkansas, while Clint, the Clintons were in charge of Arkansas. No, that was, Bushes yeah, Tom Cruise was flying that in here. Right. The Tom Cruise film. That's all based mm-hmm. on a true story. It's all legit and real. They were flying the drugs in. They were sending those drugs to inner city uh, hubs of places like L.A. and Chicago, where it was getting made into crack, and it was decimating inner city populations, right? And they did all that on purpose. And then they announced the war on drugs. And they started profiting off of cracking heads on this issue that they had created. And then another decade later, after they had basically gutted and turned entire you know neighborhoods into crime-ridden hellholes full of what Hillary Clinton called super predators, they passed Joe Biden's uh, crime bill which put all those people in jail, right? And, mm-hmm. and now they're saying they should all be let out of jail and police are corrupt and defund them, right? Now we're flooding the border with illegals and supposedly lots of super deadly drugs and we're getting pictures around on the internet of colorful candy-looking things that are supposedly fentanyl that are all going to be killing everybody's kids and you got Dan Crenshaw putting on Instagram how he's put, putting bills in place putting bills in place to crack down. He wants to take, he wants to go. I don't, I need to read it. I may be stepping over here. And so if I am, I apologize, but I know there is, there are people talking about taking war time, war like initiative against cartels in Mexico. I'm not sure if that's what was in Dan Crenshaw's bill, but my point is, I feel like I've seen this playbook before. Um, there have been times where we've been told, bless you, thank you, that we have these like catastrophic drug problems. And then, but you kind of look around and you're like, but who's really being affected by it? The crack thing was real. I'm sure the fentanyl thing is real. I'm not sitting here pretending like there haven't been, maybe it's just because I'm privileged enough to run around with folks that aren't smoking what they think to be meth or whatever the hell else fentanyl shows up in. But um, well, I think you're in the majority of the population there. Just I'm speculative of everybody. I'm speculative all the time of our government's desire to crack heads and assert power. I have a, I have a head that they can crack, but I doubt they will. Uh, Sam Brenton, a deputy assistant secretary for the Department Ugh. of Energy, who is praised for being non-binary, tra- and, a transvestite, doggy play. Yeah. has been charged with a felony theft for allegedly stealing a woman's bag at the Minneapolis-St. Paul International Airport. Uh, so they have her it him whatever on video taking this woman's very expensive suit uh, luggage taking the tag off of it putting it in its handbag sam's and then leaving and then a few days later checking back in at that airport with her bag as his as his luggage that's awesome (laughs) yeah so uh that's a really good look and do you think uh, they gotta fire him right they have to uh they should have never hired him felony so... theft felony yeah yeah he's yeah, gotta be fired i would imagine he'll lose his post uh, uh also we have elon musk saying that uh, twitter's 
longstanding COVID mission policy is going bye-bye. So now you can actually put out real information on Twitter without it getting flagged. Isn't that ironic? So we've had misinformation allowed all this time, and we've had real information, the facts, suppressed. No more. So good for Elon. Still trying to figure out what's up with that guy, but I like the direction that Twitter is going for sure. See, is there anything else? How much time do you have? Uh, I'm up against it. All right. Oh, 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 last thing. Uh, The Colorado shooter. What are your thoughts on that? The fact that he, uh, I'm sorry, that they Uh are non-binary and just like pulled the rug right underneath the narrative that it was a Trump supporting right wing mega blah, blah, blah. Yes. Did you watch the CNN uh, video of the the meltdown? The the lady flipping out. But she also refused to call him by his pronouns. Which I, I might I might not call you. You mean the trans mind, person that said that he doesn't care. the trans person that said he clearly looks like a man, so he's a man and he's lying? Right. It's like, yeah, well, you kind of look like a man too. Welcome to the red pill team. Yeah. I don't what but what? the but the anchor on the CNN uh report where they're coming out with this information, she kept calling the person a him, which she just read the headline that he identifies and has been since 2016 non binary. So my, my prayer, you? my prayer is that, that 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 these are the types of things that as they accumulate will break this spell. Um, but unfortunately, it doesn't seem to be working. Um, seeing the hypocrisy, seeing the untenable and unsustainable, uh, you know, multi-positional approaches that these leftists take to these issues. Um seeing them crash into each other and and not be uh, uh, able to be sorted out, it doesn't seem to be waking anybody up, which sucks. <laughs> well, way to end it on a high. But uh, the story did go away after that. You don't hear anything oh, yeah. else You'll about it. Oh, yeah. You'll never hear anything else about it. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, that is going like, to do um, it for the uh, Thanksgiving recap uh, flag football hunting horror story episode 104. Chisholm's got that humble pipe next week. Hopefully uh, things turn around for you, old buddy. Thanks, man. Go <laughs> kill Cable a big Smith. Nebraska book. We'll do it. Thanks for tuning in to Justified Pursuit. We'll see you guys next week. <laughs>